0: For information about investing in character-led companies, please visit www.rocinvestments.com and join the growing number of investors choosing to make character a priority when investing their money.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of Return on Character podcast with me, your host, Dan Cooper, uh, founder and CEO of Rock Investments, an investment strategy that invests your character-led companies of public markets. Uh, very happy to have Ian with us Today, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to try to even give this guest a proper introduction because he's had such a unique background and lived such a unique life that I'm going to leave it to him to do so. Uh, but welcome to the Return on Character podcast, and thanks for making the time. You bet,
0: Dan. Thanks for having me.
1: As a, as a, as a way of kind of level, level setting what you're doing today, uh, and then we'll, maybe we'll go backwards you know, tell me about what you're up to today, uh, and then how you kind of were able to, how your life led to this point, uh, as it, as you should today and uh, what you're working on.
0: So that's the, the one all encompassing question. So I'll, I'll right. do the, yeah, I'll do uh, the cliff notes on that.
1: That's me being lazy, right? You know, saying, okay, I just want you to talk. I don't really want to talk, uh, no, but specifically, no, 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 okay, I, got I can it. also, I, I could also start with where you grew up, um, because. Uh, that's pretty unique uh,
0: and then yeah. other places and then you went on to live in a lot of different spots around the world uh as well as a, as i'll, a story I'll take that first one and work you know right back into it somehow so cool. uh yeah so these days um what is occupying you know i'd say 20 out of 24 hours in a day uh is working on <laughs> sandy um so sandy is uh yeah amazing company so happy to be a part of it but it's an online marketplace for outdoor sports equipment so it's it's buy sell or rent uh and it's it's very specifically focused and tailored to adventure sports the outdoor recreation industry so skis boards kayaks mountain bikes like you name it um so near and dear to my heart as far as like that's very much a passion project these are things that I've loved and grown up loving and you know created incredible friendships through these adventures and sports and so yeah just privileged and you know happy to be able to work in a place um you know that really aligns with everything that i love and i'm about and um it's different in the sense that you could rent a
1: bike and you know, is it com? is that the the address or
0: yeah, I can so, rent
1: an ice pick if I want to go up and climb Mount Rainier, kind of thing.
0: that's exactly right. So there's, so we have sendy.io is the full web platform. We have it optimized for both mobile and for desktop, uh, and then we have apps in both app stores, so uh, Android and uh, Apple App Store. So, mm-hmm. uh, really, the apps, you know, I'm pretty proud of them. We're they're getting better every single week. A lot of that's based on user feedback, which is you know, just incredible to have so many people giving us suggestions and ideas and just so much engagement. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, if anyone wants to check it out, really downloading the app on the app store, sendy, S-E-N-D-Y. Um, yeah, we're, we're we're proud of what we built and it keeps getting better. So it's it's a beautiful website and you get on there and you kind of think, oh my gosh,
1: I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I can get on that surfboard surf that tube, Just like that guy. I just need the red I just got to rent the board and everything should to work out. You know, I think it's awesome. I think it's a brilliant idea.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that, um, yeah, a, a lot of what we do is intended to be aspirational. And so yeah. like one of my like marketing and, and branding is something that I didn't sp- specifically choose to focus on it but like as you know being a ceo of multiple companies and building different things there there's so many tasks and not all of them are fun and i feel like the the marketing and the branding is something that always kind of excited me and and i really feel like you know good marketing and brand identity done well should should leave you feeling better and and it's one of those things where people say um you know, nobody will remember what you said. They'll remember how you made them feel. Right. And and I really, I love that quote. And, and I think it, it has a lot to do, um, or it applies really well to like a brand identity or a marketing, uh, strategy. And so for us, we just have the most fun content that you could ever work on. It's just all these incredible sports with amazing, uh, you know, athletes that we've partnered with. So yeah, we get to like cut, ads and commercials for red cam footage in the back country of Alaska. And like, it's definitely one of the best parts of my job. So yeah, it's super fun. Very inspiring. Um, how long has that been in, in play? You know, Cindy as an idea is probably, you know, I think multiple people have had this as an idea and really it's like, there's that whole component of like idea versus execution. And there's just a lot of. Pieces in between those two things. Um, but as an idea you know, it's probably about two and a half years ago that Travis and I really started talking about it. We were, we were, my co-founder is Travis Rice, also Cameron Zink, incredible snowboarder, incredible mountain biker, just the two of them are, you know, a dynamic duo when it comes to this company. But yeah, so Travis and I were in, um, Hawaii surfing. We spent a week together just, you know, with our, with our families out on the beach and ended up just like, talking and once the idea started going, it was like unstoppable We're just like, oh, we could do that and we should add this. And so, you know, really like just kind of came to us and then, uh, we started working like really in earnest on it, uh, about a year and a half ago. So like January of 2022 is when we started hardcore development. That's with the team in Ukraine and, you know, had most of the initial pieces of the team come together. Um, January of 2022, uh, we built it incredibly fast, I think. Um, and we launched it in November, uh, of 20, of 22. So, you know, almost, yeah, 10 months or so of hard dev time and work, launched the product, got it into the world. And, you know, now we're six months in. So,
1: so you, you could technically say you built it during a
0: wartime with your team in Ukraine, I mean, hundred percent. Yeah. How did that affect them over there? You know, one thing that was really interesting is we started, we did a piece with Forbes magazine and they started, you know, getting into the story of the company first by interviewing Travis and Cameron and coming from the celebrity athlete angle. And obviously that's a very clicky story, having those athletes trying to solve problems in the world and make things happen. It's a good story. But as they got into it, they started finding out the real story, which is, you know, we had engaged a development team in Ukraine prior to the war starting. That wasn't on our radar. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. We definitely didn't. And um, so we started building the product with them. And, and over that course of that process, you become friends with people, right? We're, all, we're on Zoom calls, like you know sometimes twice a day with with the team over in ukraine and you know i they meet their wives on zoom and you know see their lives and you just become friends and uh so yeah we started that process and then you know had both a personal relationship and quite a bit of work product done when the invasion occurred and it It just escalated so fast. Like the night before the invasion happened, I was on the phone with Vlad, who's our lead project manager, and he lives in Kyiv. And I was like, hey, Vlad, you should kind of get things ready. You know, like, I don't know what's going on over there, but in our news, it says there might be an invasion. And he kind of was like, no, you know, that's not going to happen. And literally six hours later, he called me from traffic leaving Kyiv, bumper to bumper traffic with cruise missiles coming in. Uh, he drove, I think 13 hours straight, ended up sleeping in his car, like on the side of the road with his wife, like in Western Ukraine and Lviv, cause they were trying to cross the border into Poland. And I called him at this point, it was probably 4 AM Ukraine time. And I called him, I'm like, Hey Vlad, I'm seeing like this news. Po- I was following the news, obviously very closely. It was pretty sleepless for me. So I, I saw news popping in that they weren't going to allow uh men to leave the country right and that this was like happening quickly so i called him and he's like he's like ian it's too much traffic i just need to sleep for a few hours and i was like okay and sure enough like three hours later they stopped all men from leaving the country so uh so vlad and his whole team have been in ukraine the entire time um yeah i flew over there last november to bring a starlink and some generators when they started bombing power stations um, but you know the the craziest thing is that they didn't miss one single deadline not one day late on one single thing uh, you know, they were texting me telling me that you know hey we're going to be a couple of days late on this and it's like literally because there's like rocket strikes and power outages and so yeah I, I think at this point after yeah, after building what we're building um, you know building Sandy with this team like their family, like they're going to be involved with this forever. Um, you know, we seriously, this kind of thing like brings people closer. And I think that is the silver lining is that all of us as a team, we like, we really care for each other and we've been through some stuff and yeah. So wild story. And while it's totally not expected, uh, that, that's
1: pretty, that's pretty inspiring. My, uh, one of my board members, Shannon Cedric Davis has been going over there pretty consistently with Howard Buffett and working and, the, um, I don't know, you know, I don't know if wartime brings out just the best in people or people in Ukraine just seem to consistently really impress a lot of folks, you know, just the way they are. But it sounds like we have a lot of, uh, I, to me, I, I, I tend to, to look at it as a, an example of of character playing itself out, maybe kind of a sacrificial level versus the antithesis of character, which is self-focused leadership, literally imposing its will, you know, on these people in, in, you know, in in Russia uh, showing up. So uh, that's a, that's a pretty powerful story. I'm gonna be cheering for you guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, that trip over there was incredible. Like I've, A, I've never felt more welcome as an American anywhere. Like people would come up to me, like personally thank me as if I like sent them tanks and it was just like, like literally like they'd come up and speak no English and be like, welcome America. But, but yeah, absolutely incredible country. And yeah, so, so that's our back end team at Zendi, you know, and they work faster, harder and longer than anybody else. And that's why we do everything as fast as we do it.
1: Are they hireable? In other words, do we want to put a plug in for them so that if anybody else wanted to hire them,
0: you give oh, during this they're time? They're
1: full-time with us. They're full-time. Okay. You've claimed yep. it. All
0: uh, right. Well, right we have, yeah, we've got seven people, um, 40 to 50 hours a week in Ukraine. And so full-time with us and they have been for, you know, uh, a little over a year and a half. So yeah, we've got a core team and that's how we do it. Getting back to your story, where did you grow up? Yeah, so um, I bounced around a lot. I mostly grew up in East Africa in Kenya. Um, so I was born in the U.S., father's Brazilian, American, uh, American mother from Boston, like Boston Irish. And yeah, born in uh, Logan, Utah, and then moved to East Africa when I was two years old. And I was uh, pretty much, for the most part, there until I was about 15. Oh, wow, that's a That is just, you grew up years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How's that? what did you think of it? Yeah. So to me, it just like, it, it was what I knew, but I had incredible friends there. Um, I lived in Nairobi, which is a big city, right? There's a lot going on. And, um, so yeah, I think it was in many ways, it was a really dynamic way to grow up. And I think in some ways, like as a kid, I didn't even fully recognize how incredible it was, um, but it was, you know, for me and and the tight group of friends that we had, we went to an international school. So lots of uh kids of diplomats, of of uh, you know, medicines and frontiers, United Nations, uh, UNEP, like a lot of that type of, of work going on in East Africa. So that was, you know, mostly my friends were children of of parents who were working internationally in international development or conservation. Right. Which makes yeah. a really interesting network. So then where yeah. did
1: you go from, from Africa?
0: Before I was 15, so my dad was in like large-scale conservation projects. uh, worked for um, USAID, United States Agency for National Development. So yeah, we lived in Botswana in Southern Africa for a bit. We lived in Bolivia uh, in La Paz um, for about a year. And then when I was... 14, 15-ish, I moved back to California as a freshman in high school. And um, yeah, and then I finished high school in California. I went to UC Davis, uh, studied abroad most of the time, Um, studied in Brazil, Peru, uh, Spain. Yeah, and then when I was 21, started my first company, I guess. It just kind of happened. But uh, yeah, making balsa wood surfboards on the coast of Ecuador. So we, we no we're way. trying to, Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so right. Yeah. With...
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so awesome. pretty how did that, that go? <laughs> I mean it was cool. It was uh for being as young as I was and as into surfing as I was, like yep. we kind of have, you know, obviously that was a very idealistic age. And um and so we were trying to create pretty much the world's first biodegradable production surfboard. And right. um Yeah. And so Ecuador is where most of the balsa in the world comes from and definitely the highest quality. And it's very, uh, humidity sensitive, like while you're building it. And so Mm -hmm. we, we, we built a factory, small factory, 18 employees, um, on this, on the South coast of Ecuador, where it's like a desert, it's really dry. And we would bring balsa out from the more tropical regions of Ecuador, dry them out in kilns and then basically build blanks and shape boards and then we would use vegetable resins bamboo cloths and and seal them uh and we ended up creating beautiful boards and so we between boards and blanks um for other shapers we do between three and five hundred a year and i pretty much ran that from when i was about 21
1: to 26 ish so we you're, you're single dude. Uh, back then, making surfboards on the coast,
0: living the dream. It sounds pretty like. much, yeah. I'd so, I'd come up to California and hit all the trade shows, like in the yeah. fall, and go to you know ASR and be all surf all the spots in SoCal, and yeah, it's pretty fun.
1: Well, what happened with the board company?
0: Uh, well, two thousand eight happened, and so you know one of the things one of the things that happened is every little shop and you know collector and everybody basically stopped paying all their bills so that became a little bit tricky um i would also expanded the company and i was i had the surfboards always being made but i was also doing sourcing for other companies in south america so hats textiles shoes things like that so Things got really tricky, and and the surfboard part uh, was sold to a Spanish fellow, um, and it's still running to this day under the brand kantiki which K U N T I K I is what he changed the name to, um, and it's still running to this day. Same factory, same boards. And is after uh, is named after
1: a boat or raft that was developed off the coast of South America to prove that the indigenous tribes uh crossing the pacific ocean from the philippines
0: or something wasn't it uh, some yeah that it Dutch was uh
1: explorer thor thor Heyerdahl, yeah.
0: and and they right. built a, a balsa wood raft to prove that south america was a potential option for having populated the south pacific and the pacific yeah. islands
1: yeah. yeah and this raft was made out of balsa wood and yep. they never, they didn't know if the thing was going to fall apart before they got to the other yeah. side, it was pretty it's, awesome. It's the
0: most amazing story, like yeah. serious bravery. It's a great story and it's a great name actually for that brand. Um,
1: okay. So you, you survive out of 2008, you're, you're having, you abandoned the lifestyle on the beach, maybe what's, what, where'd you end up going next? How did you, uh, how did you transition?
0: Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think that lifestyle abandoned me. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) I could have kept that going for a little while, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So 2008 happened, it got pretty tricky, um, sold all the assets, all the equipment tools, you know, branding, everything, um, took that cash, moved back to California and, you know, pretty much was like trying to figure out where to go, uh, from there. And so one of my, friends who had like known for some years was like, hey, I've got this like amazing thing going on. You should invest in it. I had a little bit of money from, you know, selling Balsa Tribe and whatnot. And I was like, okay, cool. And so effectively what that was, was uh, hemp CBD. And so it was like one of the very, very first companies, like before anyone even knew what CBD was. And these guys were extracting it out of hemp and creating, you know, little tinctures out of it and and so you know he convinced me it was going to be the next big thing i'm still like a pretty optimistic person so i'm like yeah that sounds like it'll work you know throw some cash in there perfect problem solved and uh go back you to the, the beach that, yeah go right. back to the beach great. right so <laughs> that's that's not <laughs> what happened um so a lot of tricky like management disagreements and things happened over the course of like the next year or so and a couple of the other investors basically stepped in and were like you know, Ian, would you consider taking this company over uh, or effectively running it, cleaning it up, getting the books dialed, sorting sorting this, this out. So um, that's what I did. I ended up, uh, yeah, that company ended up becoming Hemp Fusion, um, which was mm. one of the leading CBD companies in the space. Uh, and I went on to run that for... I think seven years as CEO, um, so ended up growing it to 22,000 stores, 185 products, uh, four brands, three of them were acquisitions. We raised 60 million for it, took it public. Um, and yeah, and two years ago, I stepped back from, from that, which was like no longer something that was fun for me to be doing. So
1: your story is awesome. I love it in many ways. I relate with it at different points. But tell me about a time that you think your character was most, the most character defining moment in the course of these business adventures, or, or, or whenever you choose to think that might be relevant and how it kind of informs you today, you know, and thinking about, uh, Cindy and, and from how you run Cindy today and how it's going to commit, develop in the future.
0: That's a yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> you know and and there's so much that I could pull from there but I think what's jumping out to me is when I was younger I and and I still suffer from like over optimism you know and it's it sometimes like comes you know comes back pretty hard but uh but yeah I think definitely when I was younger I I was inclined to always see the best in everyone give everyone the benefit of the doubt you know feel like we're on the same team all the time and it was i think that's a place that i came from and so i tended to expect and to see it um in many different ways and i think over the course of like especially some of like the early days with um with hemp fusion and the formation of that company i ended up Effectively, and not even only the early days, because there was also components around the IPO period where, you know, I I ended up compromising with the character of the people that I was working with, because it like, it made logical sense, like, oh, okay, you know, we need someone who has these connections or this expertise and you know, it's not a great culture fit, but yeah, you know, let's just go for it because on paper all of this makes sense and we got to make it happen. Right. So, and and I think that, you know, over the course of growing a company and building teams, which then become sub-teams and things compartmentalize. And like as a company grows in its structure, it's very easy for for the culture to kind of go off the rails and and you realize how. Crazy important every single person, and especially every single leadership position is, and really, and so yeah, I think you know the the intention and the motivation of and the character of the people involved is the mo- most important thing beyond any on paper expertise or connections or anything, and certainly that is the biggest lesson that I'm taking into Cindy, and uh, there's not one person involved with this company that I don't love as a human being. And, and, you know, we call each other, we talk about stuff besides work. There is real friendships. Um, and know, pretty much everyone, we have a lot of people that write to us who like want to work with for us or with us. And like, that's awesome to have to have created something in the world that people are like, Hey, how do I hitch my wagon to that? Let's do this thing. Right? Like that's inspiring. Um, and so I think we're just attracting really good people. And then generally, these are people who love being outside, right? Like you're most of the people that write to us and want to work with us. It's like they love snowboarding or mountain biking or, you know, spearfishing or whatever. And I think just having these aligned passions, connections with each other and things outside of work that drive us um, is good. And I think as I see Sandy grow and just create the teams, the thing that is going to be so paramount to me is keeping the energy of the company and the character of the company, you know, something that is like healthy and happy and fun. And in an ideal world, like I want to, I want this to be my dream job for a long time. Like I would, want to be working in this same role in 15 years and be still having a great time and so yeah my thinking around building companies has changed and character is everything
1: and you're not thinking from the standpoint of a of of selling it you're thinking of trying to actually create an enduring firm that lasts that you're able to participate with for a long period of your life I feel the same way about rock investments I mean that's You know, we're not interested in the flip. We're interested in the the actual uh, preservation of of, of the core, you know, and to bring it forward. That's an awesome answer, by the way, to the question. And I really appreciate you sharing it because I think it's, I know it's something I've dealt with consistently where you are under pressure to deliver on this big promise that you're pushing with your, for your investors and everything. You see incredible talent, like an engine that can produce. And they drive your car, but if it's, you know, if it's, there's character flaws there, it is devastating and it's an emotional trigger eventually to have to deal with it. Um, so man, that, that's such a great answer. I, I really appreciate that.
0: Just one little point on that. There's that other saying of like one rotten apple will spoil the bunch or something like that's a real thing that's worth keeping in mind
1: a real thing that ain't just the same it's it actually funny. happens uh but i mean it's pretty amazing what you've done man i mean the, you've had pretty consistent cons- success most entrepreneurs don't most entrepreneurs fail over and over and over again you know until they finally hit one or um you know how do you think why do you think that happened for you? How, how, how have you been able to do that? And what advice do you have for the younger Ian, Ian's of the world out there starting off? Wow, this is good. You
0: guys could deep podcast here. Um, (laughs)
1: look,
0: see here. Uh,
1: you haven't started crying yet, man. So uh, I I, got another bag of questions here. That's (laughs) the, that's the objective, of course. You're just going to wear me down. Yeah. I'll wear Um, you down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So advice to the younger self. Um, I think that, you know, the only times in life that I regret are the times when I was sacrificing the present for the future, that, that I convinced myself that, oh, if I'm, you know, if I do all of these things now and I'm sacrificing, you know, my health and my happiness and my, you know, sleep and whatever it might be for this promise of something in the future, and then that doesn't work out, then it feels like a waste, a wasted sacrifice. Right. And, and sometimes that is months or years that, that you're totally sacrificing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think, you know, for me, like maintaining balance and happiness, like at all times is, is when I never regret it. Right. Like if I look back and I'm like, oh, that didn't work out, but At least I went on that great snowboarding trip, and I had a really good time with that, and I was, you know, in in a good place in my relationship, and my life was fun, and it didn't work out, it's fine. Whereas if you sacrifice all those important fundamentals, and then it doesn't work out, you're pretty bummed. And so, yeah, so I think that's kind of where, you know, probably where I'm at with that.
1: You know, you keep complimenting at me on my questions, but you keep dishing out some pretty awesome answers. I a hundred percent agree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I've been on, uh, adventures the same way where, where you're like suffering in the name of the payout. Right. And, and that's just a backwards way of living. And, uh, and it's so easy to get into that frame of mind and justify the suffering for all, whatever reasons you have, you know, whether it be the purpose or the, for the money or the investors, um, and to separate yourself, look, looking at what, what's going on today and just kind of enjoying it. Uh, I love that, man. That is such a great, that's such a great answer. Um, I, well,
0: I think there's a little second part to that as far as like why, you know, I've had some success and I, and I think that, you know, another quote that stuck with me that, um you know might be important for some people to hear but it's like being an entrepreneur is a career like like we have a certain skill set like to conceptualize initiate and found and take until traction a company is a very specific skill set that that has pieces of many different disciplines and that itself is a career like when you have this knowledge base to be able to recreate the beginning of something you know and engineer that over and over again like that is the skill set and i think in some ways people think of they don't think of it as a career or as a skill set or you know it's something that people do once and you started the company and it was successful and now you're rich and that's great and you're an entrepreneur or else you're a failure those are the only two options but like I think if you think of it as like, this is my skill set, this is my bag of tools. I can, I can start something from nothing. And that's, that's my gift. And then you can do that over and over again and each time hopefully it gets a little better. Um, yeah, I just, that helped me. And I think, you know, for younger people out there that, you know, thinking of it as a career path, like if you're good at starting things and you have those tools, that's your career. You're an, you're an entrepreneur, it's awesome.
1: It's true. It's, it's a total unique skill set, and as, as soon as you get out of it, like when you start dealing with operations, or you know uh, the professional competency of a of a well run organization, you know those skill sets start to to kind of deviate, and that's okay because it's applicable in other categories and other ways. Um, man, I love that man. That's so great. Hey, you're awesome! I really appreciate. It. I love talking with you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, my uh, pleasure! It, it, it's such an honor to 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 hear your story, uh, and most of all, uh, I think most would agree to hear your wisdom uh, uh, that you glean from your, the life you've lived so far. It'll be fun to keep watching uh, uh, that as a go forward. But just as a final plug, Cindy. Dot com is that the uh, address? That's how we find it. That's how we find so, the
0: next set of gear and. Yeah so yeah it's sendy.io so we're like .io that's right .io it's we're we're new we're hip we're you know silicon valley tech so yeah sendy.io and uh and both app stores as well and we have buy sell or rent so new equipment from shops used equipment rental from retailers from individuals like it's becoming a pretty incredible marketplace Uh, And then we have big plans for the future. So stay tuned for more features. But yeah, anyone who wants to download the app, support us, check it out. We'd be most grateful. Thanks, babe. Thank you, Dan. For information about investing in character-led companies, please visit www.rocinvestments.com and join the growing number of investors choosing to make character a priority when investing their money.